Good morning again. Today we are talking about uh, the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet. And uh, so we're talking about this because we're talking about the book of Revelation. We've been on a series of the book of Revelation. Maybe it will be on the series for the rest of my life. I don't know. No promises, but you can learn a lot from the book of Revelation. We're focusing on Jesus. We're focusing on what we can learn about Jesus from this book. And it's so exciting to see him in his, as he reveals himself to the earth, as he just unveils himself. The, the book is called The Revelation of Jesus. It's like, Lord, you revealing yourself. And it's so exciting to learn about you on your terms, the way that you want to reveal yourself. And uh, I mean, that's kind of through the whole Bible, how you want to do it, it's all the way you want to do it. But Lord, I just thank you that you give of yourself in this way, that you want to be with us and you want to reveal yourself. And I pray that you would help us to just learn from you. Last week, we were talking about the dragon. We had a prophetic word about the dragon. And so we were focusing on the red dragon in Revelation 12. And, and what can we learn from looking at how Satan interacts with the church and Israel and, and Jesus? And, and um, we talked about, I use the analogy of Israel being like a football. And some, some of you kind of get jealous. Like, it's like, oh, it's fun to be the football. But is it fun to be the football? I get kicked around a lot. I don't know. So you know, there's these pluses and minuses. And so we have Israel as the football, you know, and we have Jesus as the football. And then, and then eventually we are also attacked. Um, you know, we are there, we are associated with Jesus and, and the devil has us in his sights as well. And uh, so we have to be, we have to be strong. We have to overcome, um, you know, in the face of challenges. And, uh, and that's the beauty of it, right? As we understand who we are and we understand what's going on more, in, you know, from the spiritual point of view, we can overcome but this picture of the dragon coming after Jesus coming after Israel coming after the church is an, actually an explanation of the spiritual behind the scenes of what's actually happening on the earth during that time it's kind of a parenthesis in the story of of God revealing himself of Jesus revealing himself to the earth and the actual events on the earth at that time there's these events on the earth and then there's this kind of the angel will kind of come to John and say you know this is tough stuff, you know, all this stuff that's happening, all these people are dying, there's all these, you know, huge judgments from God and the Antichrist doing all this crazy stuff. And so let me tell you why, let me tell you what's really happening behind the scenes. Really, this is about us wiping the devil off of the earth, you know, and this is, so this is the spiritual background. So we talked about that spiritual background, but what's actually happening on the earth? What is the events that are happening on the earth during that time? Well, that's where we get back, we try backtrack a little bit, seems to we the way I do it, I go to the conclusion, then I go back and I try to explain why I said it. So now we're backtracking from Revelation 12, we're going back to Revelation 11 to say what's actually happening on the earth. Why did we have to talk about this dragon? Um, what are the events on the earth that actually occur? And what's interesting about the book of Revelation is the events that actually happen on the earth, they actually sound like spiritual events because they're so fantastic. They're so dramatic. They're so overwhelming. Uh, we normally think about Christianity is being in whispers and subtle and and the most dramatic thing that happens is persecution um, now but all these things that God is doing is kind of subtle well let me tell you in the book of Revelation it's not so subtle and uh, we kind of have to get our heads around that just because it's not subtle doesn't mean that it's not God and uh, so in the book of Re in the book in chapter 11 we have this seventh trumpet that sounds and uh, which is this amazing reality now the seventh trumpet is kind of into the story a fair bit it's the last trumpet and that's meaningful too um what am i trying to say here my goal for our church is a second timothy 4 8 goal second timothy 4 8 goal i'll read it for you henceforth there is laid up for me this is paul speaking to timothy henceforth there is a, a laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Oh, it's got this. He knows about his own crown. Can you imagine knowing about your own heavenly rewards? Heavenly rewards is a big deal. It's a whole thing. And there's lots to study about it, but there's something called the crown of righteousness. And so this isn't this isn't salvation. He's not saying I was saved. He's saying this is something extra. He's saying that thing that the elders are throwing down, like it's a crown, a heavenly crown. And um so laid up for me is this crown of righteousness with the Lord, the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also, and this is the important part here, 
all who have loved his appearing, all who have loved his appearing. For 2 Timothy 4.8, I want us to be a church that loves the appearing of Jesus. Now, why is this a crown? Because it's a lot to swallow. Like Jesus appearing is a big deal and it can be misinterpreted. It could be misunderstood. It can be offensive. So not every believer is going to be a believer who loves his appearing. And we want to be people, I want us to be a people who love his appearing. And that takes some reorientation. We had Peter talking today about Romans and the renewing of mind, being living sacrifice and our minds being renewed. Well, in order to love Jesus' appearing, you need to be renewed because an earthly, uh, culturally appropriate um, mind will not generally, like, I don't think that they would love Jesus' appearing. I just think it's be too offensive. Okay, so let's start with Revelation 11. So that's where we're starting. Uh, we're going to the second part of it. We're going to skip the first part. <clears throat> Although I love the two witnesses. Great topic. There's also this great song about the two witnesses, which I like. It's kind of like a Johnny Cash two witnesses. It's not really a worship song, but we might play it when we get back to church just for fun because I like it so much. Um, and we'll talk about the two witnesses and we'll have Johnny Cash. No, it's not Johnny Cash, but it's kind of this kind of cool two witnesses. Anyway, we're skipping the two witnesses going down the second half of Revelation 11. Verse 15, then the seventh, angel, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there was there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. He shall reign forever. So uh, the seventh trumpet blows, which is the last trumpet in the book of Revelation. And because um, it's referenced in the Bible, you know, a few times, this last trumpet. So that's important to realize. And it's kind of confusing a little bit because it's like, well, isn't, isn't Jesus already one? Isn't that a big theme in Christianity? The fact that he's already one. And so we don't have to do all this stuff, you know, which, you know, that's a whole other topic of whether we have to work or not, or how does that look? But, um, you know, haven't we already won? Hasn't the work been finished? Isn't it finished? And yet here we have that he's actually... Um, the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign. So why is it becoming now at the end when it should already be finished? Um, so I'll just say a word or two about that just to kind of give you some context on what this is actually talking about because it can be a little confusing at first. So, you know, God put us as stewards over the earth. He's, you know, obviously God's over everything all the time, you know, like he's, he's in charge. And then he put the earth under Adam. Adam gave it away to Satan. And, you know, we could see that with the temptation of Jesus, you know, the devil offers the world to Jesus when he's on the earth and Jesus doesn't dispute the fact that it's the devil's to give. So, you know, we give it away and Jesus comes and then after he dies and after he's resurrected, um, we have Jesus saying in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So Jesus is saying now he has all the authority. So this is what we kind of talk about when we say Jesus is one, Jesus has the authority. Um, and yet there's also this reality, which we can plainly see if you walk out your door or read the news at all, that clearly, clearly this is not heaven, right? Like we are not, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of discernment to see that uh, you know, there's a ton of immorality and wickedness and horrible, horrible things are happening all over the world all the time. Um, so that's where it gets confusing, where it's like, well, Jesus, if you've, if everything's been given to you, aren't you going to clean it up a little bit? You know, like, aren't you going to do something about all this stuff? And so we have this kingdom where we talk about it as being like, yes, it's all done and yet not yet done. And so that's what we're living in right now. And one of the kind of analogies for that, which I think the Lord actually uses is the engagement. It's kind of like we're married, it's been done, it's sealed, you know, all the, you know, especially like, a, I know engagements and, you know, these love matches that we have now in North America, like they're kind of engagements are there, but they're not quite as serious. Whereas, in, you know, in Jesus' time, engagement was a big deal, like that was it was a sealed thing, it just hadn't been, it was done, but not done yet. You know, like they hadn't gotten married, it hasn't been completely brought into reality, but it is a reality. It is a reality in the minds and hearts of everybody who's engaged in the process. This is already completed. The engagement is finished. The price has been paid. Uh, bridal price has been paid. 
um, and it's just sitting at the home. I've gone to create a host, a, ho a home for you. Then I'll come and get you. Like this is a bridal reality. Like he's gone to create a, a home for us. And now does it take Jesus this long to actually create a home? No, he's talking about how he's going to prepare a place for us. Is he's talking about this bridal reality of like a, a groom taking a bride and going and getting ready. And so that's where Jesus is right now. It's kind of this kingdom that is, we're engaged, it's set, but it's also not yet. We're not actually married yet. And we don't actually have that reality of living with our groom. He's still separate. So we fast. And that's why Jesus said, you know, you will fast because you won't have me here for a while. Just a few moments, really. But still feels like a long time. So, and we can see this in 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God and the whole earth lies in the power of the evil one. So this is, if it wasn't obvious from going out your door that the world is under kind of this wicked authority still, or wicked authority, I shouldn't have said it that way, is actually being primarily influenced by the devil because there's the devil is lying and the devil is doing all these things and people are still following him. They're still, Adam is still rampant. Adam is still following the serpent all over the place and listening to the lies and doing all these things. So even though the devil is kind of like, doesn't have the authority to do it, he still has a ton of influence over the earth. You still see like under the radar kind of doing all these things while, while, uh, while the king's away. Okay, so, um, but there is coming a time when there will actually be a wedding. There, there is coming a time when God will actually come and take authority and that's the seventh trumpet. That is this glorious reality that we almost forget about. It's been so we've been engaged so long, generations of being engaged that we forget that there's actually a wedding. We think that this is it. This is just the engagement. Can you imagine like a bride forgetting about the wedding? We've like, been engaged so long, you know, like I forgot about it. I thought that this was it. I thought that this was the thing. It's like, no, this is not the thing. This is just the, the middle part, the part that's supposed to be just a moment. Like who wants to grow up and get engaged? Like that's not what we're that's not your life dream is to be engaged. That's just a moment while you actually wait to get married. That's the dream, right? And that's the seventh trumpet, which is so amazing. And, you know, the revelation is filled with these moments where the devil, where God is taking authority. God is kind of, un who can undo the seals? And he undoes the seals and the, and, the and, and these judgments go forth from the seals. And the lamb is just being kind of honored upon honored upon honored he's being put into his place this is a process this is like uh you know we, we talk about a wedding and it's like a day a few hours it's like when jesus gets married this is going to be years like this is going to be weeks and days this is like you know you talk about a, a week-long celebration you know for, well jesus is going to have a feast he's going to have this long procession of, of royalty, of this beautiful entering into the world, this preparation phase, which we're already in. And it's a bit more disputed. Like I can't biblically say that we're already in, well, I can, but you know, how close are we? This is the question, but like, I believe we're getting closer and closer. It's, it's lots of evidence for that. And, and then there will be this like preparation, this intensive preparation of the earth to prepare for his coming. And then there's going to be and I mean, if you think about how he said, anyway, I'm getting off track. You think about how he says soon, and then it's like, God takes his time. He just does. He takes his time. And so this wedding is going to be a long time, you know, as weddings go. And so anyway, there's this, you know, he opens the seals and, you know, all this glory upon the Lord. We're talking about who Jesus is. Well, he is this king, and he's going to come back in this fantastic, amazing, dramatic fashion. Um, and the seventh trumpet is kind of another step in this procession. And this, the seventh trumpet is this, if it's not obvious enough, and it's not, like there's going to be so many people who still don't believe, who still deny um, on the earth, I believe. It's a little bit of conjecture on my part. You, can, you try to imagine how these things are happening. And there's going to be still, but this, this is going to be one of those things where it's like nobody's really disputing Jesus anymore, like his existence. Because he's in the sky, like he's there. He's coming in the clouds. So we start off with this, you know, he's coming, he's, he, the kingdoms of the world have become his kingdom. He's taking, he's becoming the government in a very real fashion. There's no more separation of religion and government. It, it's like, it is the government and people aren't happy about it. And so what happens next is you have the elders kind of seeing the seventh trumpet being blown 
and as the elders seem to do you know fairly frequently they fall down uh, they fall down in front of the throne they throw down their crowns all the time well this is another time when they fall down seems what, what most humans do when they run into an angel and kind of a, or go to heaven is the first thing you do is you like, we all got to get ready to fall down we I mean sometimes we fall down at church if this is an odd thing get ready like we're going to be falling down some more so anyway the, these humans fall down again right like this is a this is a christian experience of falling down it should not be abnormal for christians to fall um and the, the, the elders fall down again and then they say this revelation 11 17 which if you skip the poetry parts of the Bible, the singing and stuff like that, you can really miss a lot of information. So there's actually a lot of like chronological information about what's happening at this time in this verse, basically, that the elders proclaim at this time. So Revelation 11, 17, and they start off with gratitude. These people love the appearing of the Lord. They have that second Timothy reality. They are in love with the Lord and his appearing. And so Jesus is blowing his seventh trumpet and they say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. And that's what I want us to say when we hear the seventh trumpet. Apparently some people heard the trumpet this morning. I don't know, a trumpet. I'm not, I don't think it was the trumpet. If it was the trumpet, I'd be a little ticked off that I didn't hear it. I don't know, but it was a trumpet, uh, some, something on off in Winnipeg and a couple people heard it in different neighborhoods. Maybe this is a sign that I will actually sleep through the trumpet because I sleep through most things. But anyway, so... There, there was a trumpet blast this morning, a little confirmation about our, our topic for the day. So anyway, so uh, this response, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. He's actually taken his power and he's beginning to reign. Um, so this is a different thing, different way of interacting with the earth. And they are so thankful, but that's not the response of most human beings. I don't know about most, I don't know how many are in heaven and how, versus how many on earth, but most people on earth, I don't think are going to be, you know, happy about this because of the next thing they say, the nations raged. Okay, so this isn't just general rage, you know, that the nations rage all the time or something like this. I don't think the nations are raging all the time. The nations raged. I mean, if you have God appearing and saying, I'm coming here to take your authority. I mean, this is very real. This isn't like... This is a real thing that's going to happen. Jesus is going to come down to the earth and he's going to say, you know, whoever's president, whoever's prime minister, there's not going to be an election. It's their democracy has gone. You know, like this is like Jesus coming and saying, get off, you know, get off this chair. I'm in charge. And maybe he'll leave, you know, them in charge. I think it's a fair, you know, biblical interpretation. To, I mean, sometimes the Bible will say all when it's not really all. It just means like this, it's, it's kind of this way of speaking. But you know, it, it's, I would say most, maybe even all of the kings of the earth are going to stand against him and are going to be killed. They're going to be taken off the, off their thrones and he will replace them. I don't think he's going to actually sit in the government of each government. I think he's going to put people in place. He wants to work with human beings, but uh, he is going to replace them. Um, and the nations are raging. And then, but your wrath came. So there's this wrath that comes from God. We are in a time of mercy. We are not, this is not a familiar picture for us, but it's a very real thing for God, which is where the Christian offense can start to bubble up, where Christians don't love his appearing because he comes looking very different than what we're used to. This has been a theme as we've gone around. We have to get used to, we can't just say this once. It's like God looks, Jesus looks different one day. It's like, we have to get used to this. How many Sundays do we spend talking about Jesus as the broken lamb? How many times do we talk about him laying in a manger? You know, like we have to talk about him a lot in this picture for us just to kind of get used to this idea of him coming as an authority. Um, so his wrath comes. And so there's these things are happening. He's taking over the governments. The nations are raging. His wrath is coming. He's not coming. Um, he's not coming gently. And the time for the dead to be judged. So there's a lot of things happening right now, uh, or in this sequence. Again, I don't think it's all instantaneous. We want to put we want to put these things in Revelation. These instantaneous time frames. I don't think it's instantaneous. There's a this is the next kind of cup. This is the agenda that the trumpet brings. It's all going to happen nice and slow. Uh, you know, compared to normally how we think about it. The dead are going to be judged and the rewarding of your servants. So here, Christians Christians can start to feel like, hey, maybe there's some pluses here, you know, like obviously the plus of him coming to reign. And then there's the plus of the Christian reward, which is the crown 
that we were hearing um, Paul talk about in 2 Timothy when he was talking about his crown of righteousness. So these crowns are going to be distributed. Different kinds of rewards that are going to be distributed. Garments and stones with our name on it and some kudos like, you know, you, you have been a good and faithful servant. A lot of these things that we think about and pray about, but we don't really put into kind of a real sense that this is actually going to happen and there's a timing of it. I mean, God's God, like he's going to do what he wants to do. He's not going to say, you know, Cyrus, I, well, because you said this, you know, I'm going to do it that way. But like, there is a timing of this. There is a rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both great and small. Um, there is this time when there is this judgment, a season at least, of this revealing of these rewards for people and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Um, so there's this picture of this, of this agenda, and you can see how it would be offensive for people, how this is an offensive thing, how it's difficult to be, uh, you know, a lover of his appearing when you see, I mean, we can kind of think like, oh, I love Jesus, but when he comes and he surprises you, it's going to be maybe more challenging and you might be surprised at your own response to his appearing. Now, just to, you know, do my own parentheses here, gratitude, because that's what I'm looking for in myself. I want to look for this responsiveness of gratitude. That's what I'm looking for, you know, in, in Maplecrest is this response of gratitude, because that's where the elders were. Gratitude is such a wonderful thing for people. Um, and we can have gratitude. I mean, we can kind of uncouple gratitude from pain. Normally, we think about gratitude as being something that we experience when we aren't in pain, when there's, when we're in pleasure, like a hedonistic gratitude. It's like, I got a chocolate, so I'm grateful, you know what I mean? And, um, but it's very possible for gratitude to be in very unusual circumstances. Even in great pain, people can be grateful. Grateful is not something that is coupled with pleasure all the time. In fact, there's times when people experience a great deal of pleasure, a great deal of of ease and relaxation and they're not grateful they can be entitled and so gratefulness is the link between gratefulness and pleasure is loose it's very loose um and so just because he's saying you know i'm, I'm saying we're going to be grateful doesn't mean we're going to have it easy uh doesn't mean that we are are going to escape um, challenges. As you can already see, we're not escaping challenges. There's going to be more challenges that are going to come. There's Christians dying every day all over the world. Challenges come to Christians, devout, righteous people who are following the Lord or under his grace and protection, and still they are, they are crushed. Jesus was crushed. People experience challenges, and they can still be grateful. I see this in my clinic. I have people coming in who are depressed and anxious and ungrateful in, in very light amounts of pressure, very light amounts of pressure. They are, they are taken care of. Every, every need is, is, uh, is provided for very quickly by their families and those around them. And yet still, I'm not saying like people who are sad are necessarily ungrateful. I'm not saying that at all, but there can be times when people have a great deal of ease and, and still talk about the tragedies in their life as, as though they're overwhelming and that they, as, as, and that they can't be grateful. Again, it's this uncoupling of the amount of pain you're in with your emotional response and your gratefulness. The, these are separate realities. You can have, and people will often talk about like, well, you know, Fred, he's, he's hasn't had the problems that I've had. You can tell he hasn't had the problems he, I've had because he's happy, he's grateful, he's got all these qualities about him. But then if you actually go and ask Fred, what he would probably say is, yeah, I've got it great. I'm very grateful for the things I have. But if you stop and then you ask Fred, what happened last week? What happened last month? What happened six months ago? What happened last year? You can sometimes hear quite the story. Often I find is that when you push somebody uh, the challenges that they've experienced are often significant. I'll use myself as, as an example, not that I want to put myself in a place where I, I'm pictured as always being happy and grateful. It's not true. But um, I have to say that the more authority that I get in life, the more problems that I have, I have the, the more, the higher the frequency every day, there's something good that happens. And every day there's something tragic. Like it's, 
it's uh, tragic might be too strong, but like there's there's challenges that happen every day. Every day something goes wrong in my life. Um, a mistake is made, um, and 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 there's negative consequences. There's this bad news that happens. I go to work, and every day I can expect to get good news generally and bad news. Some days have a little bit more. Some days have a little bit more of the other. But um, it, it's an interesting thing to know that you can experience a great deal of negative um, impact and still experience, and, and there's still potential for having, you know, good mental health, uh, having good, um, and, and being grateful. One of the major, and this is borne out in the research, when, when you look at gratefulness, the main thing that predicts gratefulness is not ease or, or pleasure, it's, re, it's the frame. It's how you look at things. It's how you see your reality. It's your perception. It's more inside of yourself than it is in the world. Gratefulness, if, wouldn't it be sad if the world determined how grateful you were? Well, I, I guess I'm lucky. I'm very grateful because a lot of good things have happened to me. Wouldn't it be sad if we had no control? Oh, well, I'm ungrateful. Why? Well, a lot of negative things have happened to me. I just had a bad lot. It would be very sad if we had no control. But the reality is that what happens to you is very important but it's your perception and your perception is formed by lots and lots of things for sure. But, but it's this internal perception framing that actually determines, um, that actually determines your gratefulness and to a large extent, your mood. Um, and, and I'm not saying this to blame people necessarily for their experience. Um, but I do want to say it because it, it provides an opportunity for people to not be determined by their environment for you because changing your frame can be challenging it's not just like oh i didn't realize that cyrus i'm going to change my frame um it's something that is possible to work on though it is something to uh to see as being within your within your world of influence i can influence my frame if i know that it's my the way that i look at things it's my perception then i can i can impact that and that is amazing it gives you some freedom it gives you some ability to change how you experience life um i'll just give you some examples if you're kind of under you know having trouble knowing what i mean by frame i thought of a funny one this morning sometimes i'll come into the kitchen and you know natasha's a good cook but sometimes i'll hear i'll smell something that's like i'll come into the house i don't even know that it's cooking i'll just come in and i'll be like oh what is that smell that smells awful like it's kind of disgusting right and then I'll go into the kitchen and it'll be like, oh, I'm cooking Brussels sprouts. And I'll be like, oh, Brussels, I actually like Brussels sprouts. And it's like, oh, totally rethinking exactly. Like I went from somebody, you know, this is a gross smell in our house. You know, like we need to ventilate the house all the way to my mouth is watering within, within a few seconds. You know, like it's, it's an amazing shift. It's like a surprise party. It's like, nobody loves me. Everybody's forgotten about me. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, everybody loves me, and they're all throwing a party for me. Um, and all of a sudden, that that frame for what you, I thought that they were all ignoring me, I thought that I was unloved. And now I am loved. And my perception of what was going on changes. It's about your frame, and your perception about what's going on around you. And, and this was a verse this morning from Peter, uh, Romans 12, to do not be conformed by to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to be transforming our mind to God's frame. How do we, that's a huge thing. You look at something, and then if I could sum up my, my teaching strategy, you know, as a pastor, it would be this. You look at something and then you sit back and you try to imagine what it looks like from God's perspective. If you can do that with every verse that you read, you look at it and then you sit back and you look at it again from God's perspective. It's a different frame. People are dying. Wait a minute. From God's perspective, that's people going to heaven. He's in control. It's a different perspective. It's a, it's a renewed renewing of your mind to wash your mind with the word, to wash your mind with God's perspective on your life and experience. 
And if you can do that, if you can wash your mind, all of a sudden, the things that were stressful and offensive can become things that you're actually saying that you're grateful for. What a change, what a, what a complete shift in how you respond to potentially painful circumstances. Okay, so nations raging. Not all love Jesus is appearing. We talked about that, 2 Timothy 4.8. We want to be the people who love his appearing. Psalm 2 is this great prophetic word by David about this. And I'll just read a few excerpts from it. Psalm 2. But you could read the whole thing. Psalm 2 is a great, a great chapter about the Lord coming and taking his throne. Why do the nations rage, it says in verse 1 and skip. The, the king of kings, the king of the earth set, set themselves, sorry, the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. We have the earth setting themselves against, the, against Jesus, against God's anointed. Verse 5, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Verse six, yet I have set my king on his holy hill of Zion. It's funny, at one point it actually says that God laughs at the enemies that come before him. He, he laughs at them, at these people who are coming against his anointed. Revelation 19, verse 19. Then I saw the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on his horse and his army. So we have Jesus on his horse on the earth, very real. And we have the beast, this Antichrist, with the armies of the earth. This is Armageddon. They're coming to face each other. And you can see the, the father's derision for what is happening here. It's like, so many people have said, well, why doesn't Jesus just show up and say what he wants? Why do we all have to have faith? Well, there are so many who in the face of Jesus will reject him. Jesus appearing does not mean that everybody will listen. This is not truth. Jesus appears so many, God appears so many times in such real ways. Adam was walking with him. The angels were, Satan was in his presence in the glory of God and, and turned his back on the father. You know, the, the Israelites had pillars of fire and, and the, the earth had Jesus walking with them, doing miracles, and they killed him. God has appeared and will appear in many different ways. There's, and then there's the millennial kingdom, which we haven't gone into. And at the end of that, there's still a war. Jesus ruling for years. You might say, well, they're surprised. I mean, Jesus just shows up and expects all of us to kind of get it. Even after a thousand years of Jesus ruling, there will be people who will resist him. So you might say, well, why doesn't God just show up? Well, he does. He just tries everything. He shows every way that he could interact with people and yet still they reject him. We're just in one of those forms. We're in the faith time. Hmm. So this is it. They are, they are lining up against, against him. And then at the seventh trumpet, this is when we have the rapture. Now, the rapture is a Latin word, a translation for being caught up. And so you won't find rapture in the Bible because it's a Latin translation of the Bible. So what you'll see is getting caught up in the air. And you have um, multiple passages about the, about the rapture. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse uh, 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. So sometimes in Revelation it talks about this mystery and you can likely connect that with uh, the rapture. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So all of us are going to be changed, whether we're asleep or not. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So there's a fast part to this. The twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. So there's a timing piece here. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. I'll go to another one. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven 
with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together, caught up, raptured, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will always be with the Lord. Now, a passage that's maybe more familiar to people is from Acts 1. So this is the ascension. So Jesus is floating up to the sky, um, up into the clouds. And then some angels appear. And as the disciples are straining to see Jesus up, flying up into the air, the angels say, men of Galilee, they say, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return for heaven in the, return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So he's going to, just as he kind of takes his heavenly elevator up into the sky, he is going to come back down in that same way. In Matthew 24, then he will, then will appear in the heaven, the sign of the son of man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end, one end of heaven to the other. He is going to rapture everybody. He's going to come with the clouds and he's going to rapture everybody. Revelation 1, 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Revelation 1, 7. So there's this Jesus coming back the same way he left. He's going to come with the clouds. He's going to have the trumpet sound. We're all going to get caught up. We're going to join the dead who are getting caught up in the air. And there's going to be this every eye seeing him. Every eye will see him. And some people think that's television. And who knows? Maybe it's the internet that everybody will be like broadcasting. Um, and uh, I don't know if we'll need the internet for this. I don't know, like... I, I think he's going to make, I don't think he's going to rely on earthly telecommunication and internet for this. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe he will, maybe there'll be a divine media broadcast. Um, but I think he doesn't need the internet. And I think that he's going to enjoy the fact that the earth is round. And I, I don't think there's going to be multiple Jesuses. This is just me talking. I don't know. I think that there aren't going to be multiple Jesuses kind of so everybody can see him. I think he's going to take his sweet time because everything with God seems to take longer than we think. And I think he's going to have a royal procession that nobody has. I think there's going to be this sighting as you kind of watch him like the moon or like the sun kind of going around the earth. But that's just me thinking about. These are wonderful things to think about. I mean, you could get all, you know, emotional, like emotional, you could get, you know, contentious about it with people, and that's maybe not as good. But um, it's just a wonderful thing to imagine that this is a reality. And how is it actually going to happen and to put it into real terms today that this isn't just kind of a thing far away, that it's something that's going to happen. And what will it actually look like? So this seventh trumpet is associated with the beginning of this new era of God taking over these kingdoms. There's this agenda of him actually revealing himself. It'll be so obvious to Christians, the prophetic church is going to be talking about this more and more. I mean, it already is, but it's going to be talking about it more and more as we see these events of revelation happening more and more clearly. But this is when it becomes undisputable to the rest of the earth. The saints are caught up. Now, when we think about mental health, you know, in this time, and, and even now, Jesus is going to be bringing challenges. There is going to be this wrath that we are going to have to cope with. We already have to cope, up, cope with wrath of the nations as Jesus makes himself more clear. I mean, if you look at, it's so interesting to kind of see like, how is God, how is the earth going to cope with birth pangs? How is the earth going to think about these, about these um, judgments from God on the Antichrist that are coming? 
and you can already see it with this like it's like we hate all everybody hates 2020 you know it's like it's 2020's fault somehow this year is to blame for everything and and so it's just kind of this picture i think a little bit of what's going to happen you know as people kind of try to reason through these awful things that happen and i think that as we move forward um you know from biblically i think you know i can say that it's going to get better and then it's going to get worse and then it's going to get better and then it's going to get worse again it's he describes it as birth pangs and so i'm looking forward to it getting better but i'm also expecting it to get worse and every every contraction is different in i mean i remember when natasha was going through her labor I won't go into the details, but I, I remember kind of learning about the birth pangs and what happens. And we have people here who know more about this than I do, but I remember learning, and if I'm wrong, just humor me, that every birth, every contraction, something was happening, generally speaking. There was lots of times when, you know, you're going through these contractions, you know, that was if I went through them, I kind of did, but as, as she was going through these contractions, the, there's this feeling of why, like, why again you know like what is the purpose of this contraction you know like can't this just go you know like there's nothing happening you know and and what was interesting was one of the things that was actually comforting for me at least was the knowledge that when one of the people who was teaching us about this said something's happening with you know every at every point in the process something is being worked on even if you can't see it there's something internal that is happening and the more you understand and about about labor and giving birth the more you can kind of identify all these like things that are happening and again i won't go into the details but like all these things that are happening at every so if you're just measuring one thing it's like nothing's happening but if you measure all the who knows how many and maybe we know about some but we probably don't know about a lot more um all these things that are happening in the woman's body as this is kind of procedures moving forward if you measure those it, it would actually be more encouraging you could see all these things happening every contraction is producing something uh christine was talking this morning about how we've been in training as a church might feel like oh what's the purpose of all this you know da this and da 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 you know da, you know and and it's like yeah that there's a purpose it doesn't look like it it doesn't look like there's a purpose sometimes to what's going on but there is he can use everything for good. He can he can work with what we're going through, and how the dynamics of you know how all that's caused and choice and all that. But is as a whole thing. But like God is transforming us and transforming the earth on a big scale to be prepared for the seventh trumpet, to be prepared for the seals to be opened, to be prepared for the seventh trumpet, to be prepared for him to be to come down and take authority over the earth, and. So there's these contractions and each one is producing something different on the earth. So there's going to be more, we're going to have to go through them. And there's going to be different things that are happening in each one. And then there's the small scale. There's the scale of what's happening in our church. And there's the scale of what's happening in each one of our lives. And I think it's just an interesting lesson to know that it's going to get easier and it's going to get harder. It's going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And there's something happening every time. And if we cooperate with it, I believe that there's some individual and, and as a church ability to, to help this to go forward and to participate with the transformation that he wants to produce. There is some part on our side where we can influence how quickly we are able to, how much do you cooperate with his process? because obviously there's people who don't cooperate at all there's people who kind of cooperate and there's people who are really trying to cooperate to quicken this and we do it his way you can't just like mm, i'm going to cooperate you have to like put yourself in his presence you have to people were talking about fasting this morning you have to kind of put yourself into his disciplines in order to cooperate with his transformation of your heart to make yourself open to his purposes in your life you have to listen to what he's saying I've been thinking just not praying about it. I don't know how inspired I am by the Holy Spirit on some of these things, but I think we're going into a very interesting decade. I, I've just been, as I've been taking in what's been happening and some of these things that are, I think particularly for North America, I don't really know exactly how this is going to happen with, you know, with Israel, you know, in the next decade, but because I always, you have to watch Israel, right? Because they're the football, but 
you kind of watch them and you'll you can kind of see the big timing of the earth in a little bit more of what's happening with Israel. But, you know, even just in North America and the world, I think we're going to, I can see the potential for some big contractions. Let's put it that way. There is potential here for some big contractions. And, um, and so that is, how do I think about this? It is an honor everybody who's alive right now it is an honor to be alive right now that you were chosen to walk the earth during this time i mean sometimes you imagine it's like where i imagine what would it have been like to walk when jesus walked on the earth like you know you think about like simeon or something like he his life was timed with a purpose when he you know, was there to recognize Jesus at the temple. What is it? Like, there's a timing in your life. You have been set, you have been appointed to be a part of this generation. And what a generation to be a part of. The possibilities of being, a to be spiritually alive in Christ right now are tremendous. Uh, the, the drama that's going to unfold, the, the, the honor of being able to pass on God's wisdom in this generation to participate in the dramatic unfoldings that are going to happen right now, the contractions that are going to happen right now is incredible. It really is. I mean, this is the kind of generation where people before and after are going to say, wow, you were alive in that century. Like I could just imagine people talking in heaven and being like, you were alive then. What was that like? I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been a part of what Jesus was doing on the earth during that time. What a time. I don't know what we're going to be drinking in heaven, but maybe some coffee. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not coffee. I could just imagine having a coffee with somebody at like the heavenly cafe, you know, and, you know, I could just imagine myself saying, outside looking at the golden street and saying, what a, what a decade, 2021, 2022, 2023, what a decade. And people will be like, you were alive then. Wow. What was Jesus doing then? You know, like, what did it feel like in your spirit to be alive then? What did it feel like to know that he was getting close to closer and closer to coming, that you were the generation, you were the generation before the generation, you were passing on the truth. Um, to see the trumpet, to see the possibility of the trumpet, to actually see the possibility of it, you know, to be like, wow, like this is, could happen. And uh, to be a part of those contractions and to be a part of raising the bride as it becomes that spotless bride ready for God's return. I mean, what an honor to be a part of the generation, to be a part of the bride as Jesus returns. I mean, to be on the earth at that time when Jesus returns, what kind of purposes are there that are available for human beings right now? Every human being has these potential purposes to engage in right now. Anyway, I could go on. So today we talked about Revelation 11. We talked about the seventh trumpet and how people are going to be offended and be so grateful. We talked about that frame of being like, oh, you know, I have my authority. Jesus, you can't take this. You're coming. You're filled with this righteous judgment and you think you're so great and you're taking away what I built my you know two cents here on the earth and you could be offended but what we want to be is grateful we want to love his appearing and we talked about that of how that perspective change to being grateful for his appearing changes everything and you can actually get to a place where you're not just grateful that you return where he's returning but you can get to a place where you're grateful to be a part of the contraction you can get to a place where you're like, wow, I'm here. I mean, you say like, oh, it would have been, what would it have been like to be a part of Jesus's disciples? And it's like, well, they had a terrible time. They had this horrible pain. They lost their Lord. They, they rejected him. They, they were filled with confusion most of the time. They were getting it wrong. You know, like they, and they had to get martyred in the end. You know, we can kind of gloss over the fact that they were part of one of the most dramatic times. And oh, the beauty of resting your head on Jesus's 
chest you know like to be there and be a part of it what he's doing on the earth but then you have to remember that there was this drama that was unfolding at that time and that it wasn't it wasn't easy but in hindsight it could be like so glorious and if you can get to that perspective you can think the same thing about where we are so if you just change that perspective it's not like grateful that jesus is returning it's grateful that i get to be a part of it that i get to be part of this grand drama that's only a moment and will echo through eternity it's a very privileged place to be. Um, being on the earth is not a curse. Jesus came to the earth. It's a blessing. It's a it's an amazing reality to become a part of the people who have lived on the earth and to be a part of this generation. As small as it might seem at times as you're like vacuuming your floor, it's it's an incredible place to be. And you can step into that or you can leave it behind. And I would encourage us to be a people who are longing for his return, who are looking at his, at the potential and being grateful, like the 24, just being grateful. That's the place of steadiness. If you can get to gratefulness. So Father, thank you that we can have peace and joy in a contraction. Thank you that we can be grateful and feel humbled who are we to be a part of the bride when your when your son gets so close or is returning i don't know father who are we to be a part of your procession as you return with the clouds to be caught up with you who are we to represent you during some of the most dramatic times in history lord you are so glorious and beautiful thank you Thank you for honoring us, for putting us at a time when you will, when your appearing is so close, when you're taking over the governments, when your trumpets are so close. Father, thank you.